to people like me. Um, it doesn't take a clock to follow me. It takes a calendar. <laughs> Someone say amen. Uh, but this morning we're going to be on uh, time and do what God has to do. Isaiah 9 is familiar as a Christmas passage, but it's for us all year long. It's one of my favorite ones, and there's one line in there. Uh, the Lord had given me a word, but I didn't have the title, and late last night it just came to me after a whole day of just being quiet and praying with my foster cat. That's another thing to talk about, but yes, hallelujah, who has become strangely attached to me when the family left. She's like you and me. We're together forever, sister. Um, but anyway, Anissa, I'm still believing. This is your foster cat. I'm fostering her for you. Um, Isaiah 9 and 6 says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. Who's this talking about? Everyone say Jesus. <laughs> These will be his royal titles. I'm reading out the New Living Translation. This will be his royal titles, wonderful counselor, which means he's a wonder of a counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, his ever-expanding peaceful government. I love that. Christ's ever-expanding peaceful government will never end. He will rule forever with fairness and justice. And this is the statement, uh, the next one that I get it from, the New Living Translation. The passionate commitment of the Lord Almighty will guarantee this. Everyone say, the passionate commitment of the Lord Almighty will guarantee this. This morning, I'm going to speak a few minutes on satisfaction guaranteed or 100% guarantee, or the Lord Almighty will guarantee this. Uh, remember, we'll pray in a second, but I was remember years ago reading a story about a man in Ohio who owned a big oil field, and a horrible fire broke, up, it broke out in that oil field, and they could not get it out. He offered rewards, but uh, people would come just so far. Fire departments would come just so far, and they'd back out this many years ago before the advancement of technology, and I thought the story was appropriate with our uh, coming up to cold story. But anyway, he put out a reward for $100,000 for anyone that could put out the fire in this oil field. Still, Jerry Glover, people would only go so far. But there was a certain little community with a certain chief fireman who they didn't even have hoses. I mean, they put out fire with blankets and water, the good old-fashioned way. He heard about it, and he told his small little crew, let's load up on the old truck, and let's go into the oil field. He's going to give 100000 We can buy hoses with that. We can become a real fire department. So that day they watched as the fire departments were still trying to go in. Nobody would go past a certain mile or a certain place toward the fires because the fire was intense. The oil owner was going to lose everything, his livelihood. But this truck, this truck and this little fire chief and his little crew, they kept going. I mean, they were going so fast. People watched them as they whizzed by, and they went right into the fire. They jumped out of their truck real quick. They began to put out the fire with blankets and with their hands and everything. When they were done, everybody was astounded. And the man of the oil field said, my goodness, I'm going to double that reward and give you 200000 What is the first thing you are going to do with that money? He said, the first thing I'm going to do is get the brakes fixed on that truck. <laughs> you know, sometimes people helping us only go so far. But let me tell you something about the Lord God. He never puts on his brakes when it comes to fixing you and making things happen for you. He does not put on his brakes. Father, we thank you for the anointing in this house. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Speak to each one of my brothers and sisters, even one I cannot speak. Whisper into their ears, Lord. Scream, shout. Just let them receive from you. I love you and trust you and obey you, Holy Spirit. With all my heart, I try. Come this morning and speak to us. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. I love this. God's love will go past what we can imagine. 
The passionate commitment of the Lord brought the Christ Jesus into this earth. God was committed to fulfill every prophecy about the Messiah. But I want to tell you this morning, the same passionate commitment of the Lord is a guarantee towards your life and what you're believing him for. I love Isaiah 46 yet again in the New Living Translation. He says, I am the Lord and there is no other. I love this great statement in this political um, atmosphere we're living in right now. I do admit I watch a little bit of Fox News. I fasted TV all day, which my family would have fallen down with a miracle because I always got a little bit of the news. But I love all the promises. In junior high, Cleveland junior high, my best buddy ran for student body president. And he told us as a student body, if I am elected as the president of Cleveland junior high, there were from this day forward, be Dr. Pepper flowing from every water fountain in this school. Well, we voted for him, of course. We were fun, but we were gullible. He got in, but he did not deliver. Come on, somebody. There's a lot of people that make promises but do not deliver. But when the Lord says something, he's always going to deliver. In fact, he goes on to say in Isaiah 46, he said, I'm the Lord, there is no other. I do not, I love this, I do not whisper obscurities in some dark corner. You know what obscurities are? Things that are hard to understand. Things that are unknown. I think of obscurities being what you sound like when you drive through McDonald's. That's an obscurity. Has anybody ever told you something and they mumbled it under your breath and you said, what did you say? What did you say? Or has anybody ever tried to explain something to you in physical science at Lee University? I made a C because the assistant loved me, Rhonda Mathis-Frazier, anointed preacher, still my buddy. I should have gotten an F, but she had mercy because Dr. McPherson was teaching physical science and chemistry. I did not understand a word. Can I get a witness from somebody? Not a word that man said. I mean, not a word, Sherry, the whole semester. I mean, nothing. I think H2O, I got past that, and that was it. You know, there are things that are obscurities to us that, that, that are spoken to us. But the Lord says, I'm not that guy. I'm not going to speak to you, Christy, in dark obscurities in a corner so no one understands what I mean, says the Lord in Isaiah 46. No. He said, I'm not going to speak things to you that you don't understand. I'm going to study the language of your heart and speak to you in things only you can understand. And I did not tell my people to ask me for something I did not plan to give. Don't you love that? It means when God provokes you to ask him for something truly in his will, it means he never provokes you to ask him for it unless he plans to give it to you. He said, I, the Lord, speak only what is true and right. I love that verse. It's just like a main verse to me. I love what Psalms 146 says about God. I'm talking about 100% guarantee this morning, satisfaction guarantee. Happy are those who the God of Israel is their helper whose hope is in the Lord their God. He's the one that made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all in it. And if that's not big enough, this is the next punch. He is the one who keeps every promise forever. Right there, you just ought to go home and go running down the streets, people. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Come on. He is the one. He is the one who keeps every promise forever. Not your grandmama as good as she was. Not your Uncle Bob as wonderful as he might have been. Not anyone in your life can keep every promise forever, but the Lord can. Only in a world where faith is difficult can faith exist. And this is a difficult world to have faith. Can I get an amen? But often what we do is we work on our escape through a problem. We just think, how can I escape this? How can I escape this? Pastor Billy Burke came to my mind last night because in many significant moments of my life, he'd say, hey, girl, hey, Pastor Rhonda, girl, don't work on your escape. Work on your faith. This morning, I am going to work on your faith with you for a few minutes. Are you with me? 
Are you with me? Are you with me? With God, it's here. Without God, it's there. Come on, somebody say amen. With God, it's here. Without God, it's here. Let me do it again. It's my favorite statement from Night and Day, Tom Cruise. Pastor, I just rewatched it. With God, it's up here. Without God, it's down there. Everyone say, with God. Without God. That's your chances. So how can you be assured? How can I come to uh, inoculate you against doubt and fear and put in you a vaccine that makes you want to have more faith? Number one, you've got to remember about the passionate commitment of the Lord that you are loved beyond all measure. You see, in Isaiah 44, he said, others died that you may live because you are precious to me. You are honored and I love you. Someone say, "This says, thus says the Lord. That's what the Lord says to you this morning. You are honored, Rich. You are honored, Rich. I love you, Rich. God says that to us. And what's interesting to me is, um, Jerry, I was looking this week in my studies, a powerful scripture I kind of m- mentioned in passing to the Hope Girls Tuesday. But even when circumstances called his, came upon his people because they disobeyed and things started happening and the gate was open or the door was open and negative consequences started happening, and people would come in to punish them, God would always say back to his people's enemy, you punished my people beyond my intentions. Let me give you a little view of how that looks. You put your baby girl or your baby boy, whether he's 10, 12, or 24, come on, somebody. You're a parent. You're a parent all your life. My daddy still calls me and says, don't go to Walmart at midnight. If you do park in the handicap, I'll pay your, I mean, I'm 54 people. I've traveled around the world by myself. But still, he's a parent. Let me tell you, whether you, whatever age your children are, if you put them in a school or a daycare and a teacher beat the pulp out of them, spanking them, and you gave them permission to discipline them, I know that doesn't happen these days. I'm just playing here. And they discipline, what would you do? You would be infuriated and you would say, I know my baby girl did wrong. I know my son didn't do right. But you punished them way past what I would have intended. Let me say to you today, any consequence you ever go through, anything you ever face because you ran from God, God says to your enemies in Isaiah 51, you have enraged me with your attack against my people. You took this thing farther than I would have ever taken it, and now my wrath is coming to you. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a shout of praise in this house. Oh, if you've never wondered, if you've never made any mistakes, don't praise him. But she who's made a lot, I praise him that he even draws a line on the consequences of my own failure. I love that he says in Isaiah 51, I will take the cup out of depression out of your mouth, and I will take it back to the God of depression and make him deal double with my wrath. I will take the cup of poverty out of your hand if you trust in me, and I will take it back to the spirit of poverty, and I will make him drink double for my wrath. I love that God says he will give us two mercies for every woe we've ever experienced in this life. He will pay us back double with interest, but I love that he goes to my enemy's door and says it's time. My daughter has come home. My daughter has turned her life over to me. My daughter has surrendered. So today I'm knocking on your door better than a Jack Bauer, better than a Clint Eastwood. I've come to pay back double for the injury you gave to my people. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. I love the sweet words of Isaiah 44 and 24. Pay attention, says the Lord, for you are mine. You're mine. I, the Lord God, made you, and I will not forget to help you. I've swept away your sins like the morning mist. 
I've scattered your offenses like the clouds. Just think about that in a weather, in a weather portion. Oh, return to me, my love. I have paid the price to set you free. God has ransomed you and loved you, and you've got to hold on to the passionate commitment of the Lord who promised to never let you go. You've got to hold on to the one who holds on to you when you couldn't hold on to him. A leader was texting me yesterday. We're doing an appointed reader in a little group that I'm leading and mentoring. And she said to me, I know the Lord kept me alive. And she said the number of years that I would live today. I'm going to tell you something. God kept every one of us alive to get to this moment in history for such a time as this. His relentless love chases us. His love got Joseph out of the pit. His love got Gideon out of the cave and raised him up to be a mighty warrior. His love got Israel out of the wilderness. His love got the promised people out of Egypt. His love got Elijah the great prophet after he battled with Jezebel to get up out of depression and to go forward into what God had called him to do. I'm going to tell you this morning, the love of God is without break. Somebody give him praise this morning. Come on. The second part of you having satisfaction guaranteed, or number two is, who else can advertise to you? No boss, no president, no daddy or mama can say, my power will be made perfect in your weakness. My grace is sufficient. No one can advertise that. And because of that, he is who he is. He will forever be committed to us. We are highly favored this morning. You may look at your given clothes. You may look at your car you drove. You may look at your house and think you're not favored. Don't ever bind to the lie of the devil. I've had a penny to my name and felt more favored than people who had billions to their name. Because I knew I belonged to them. In times of fire, in times of success, in times of distress, in times of glory, in time of wounds, in every one of those moments. Don't let the enemy lie to you. You are highly favored of the Lord in your weakness. Say, in my weakness. He is made strong. And I'm going to tell you a couple of classic examples that maybe will help all of us of where we work, where we live, what we're doing, who we're ministering to. When David, the king, was running and he lived in cave, Adullam, there in that cave, God had a plan to make him a mighty king. God's passionate commitment was going to guarantee it toward David, like it is guaranteed towards you, that you would be great sons and daughters of the Most High God. The Bible says that when he went to that cave, so God says, I'm going I'm to send you the best, David. Now watch this. I'm going to send you, they're going to become mighty men. But this is who came. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 22 and 2, and all who were discontented. Everyone say discontented. Say in debt. Discouraged and distressed. All who were gathered around David in the cave. But it was from that group that the Lord God moved in and raised that group up to become what's called David's mighty men. Who make a 300 movie or anybody like that look like little wimps. Mightiest men that ever lived on the earth. I'm going to tell you something. It's like God said, you know what, I'm going to take this on a jeopardy. I'm going to take things formed in a cave. I'll take it, Alex Trebek, for $1 million, says the Lord God. I want mighty men. And then it shows up when Alex turns those little clipperoos. I don't even watch it, so I'm just winging it here. When he turns those little things, all of a sudden comes up. Those who are in debt. You don't have to be rich in this moment for God to do something powerful in you. But you will become able to pay all of your bills and have more than enough by the word of God that is true. Somebody say amen. They were discouraged. They were distressed. Let me tell you what they became. 
and I, I could preach a whole sermon right here, but I won't. i got to pass by in a moment. Shama, who fought all night over a field with a sword, and he fought off the Philistines. He was one of those that used to be in debt, discontented, discouraged, and distressed, depressed, you name it. But when he got around God's people, he began to get God's word in him. And he began to grow as David fed him the very living life of the word of God. He grew up to be a mighty warrior. All night he, when they came in, he was sweating and he was shaking. But he fought all night because he knew the harvest was in the field that would feed the family of God. That's who you can become today. That's who I can become. Eliezer, who we know fought back to back with King David. So he went so far like this with his back to back to David. David fought one way as the king, but Eliezer was such an armor bearer. He was so sold to the kingdom of God. Every bad place in David's life, Eliezer stayed there. But in one particular fight, he fought all night. When the sun came up, they came to talk to Eliezer. He could not unclench his sword. He had fought all night that his hand claved to his sword. It took them a while to get it off the sword. That's who was once discontented, in debt, discouraged. There is Abishai, who when Ishbi Benob, the great giant, came against King David and began to war against him. Ishpivanah means to retreat. So when that thing came to make David retreat, it was Abishai who went through the crowd and began to hack away at the enemies of God because he knew David, who had raised him up and who had been his mentor, was tired and discouraged and weary. I'm telling you, God's looking for some people in companies, in ministries that will lift up the hands of their bosses, who will hack against the enemy, who will say, no, 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 this is who I work for. This is where I live. You're not taking anything that belongs to us. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Mighty, mighty men. His power is made perfect in our weakness. You see, in that time, in Isaiah 61, sometimes we get discouraged. From the beginning of this church, God sent us mighty, strong, faithful people and the hurting and the wounded. That First, it was a big homosexual community. Then it would be this. Then it would be that. Presently, it's all different kind of things. And sometimes maybe we think, well, you know, we want all kind of people to be sent to us, and we do. But let me tell you what Isaiah 61 says. It doesn't say the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to point good news to the very rich who don't have any cares in the world, who don't worry about nothing, who just sit and eat bonbons and just, you know, drink alcohol, that measure. No, it says the Lord is appointed me to preach the good news. Everyone say good news to the poor, the brokenhearted, the prisoners, the captive, those who are mourning. That's who comes in the door of every congregation upon the face of the earth if it's going the way Jesus wants it to go, the whosoever. And then it says, I will appoint for them joy for mourning, praise for despair. And I will make them like strong oats. Everyone say strong oaks. Strong oats, which is like a tree for the glory of God. And then they, everyone say they. Who's they? Those who are once poor. Those who would mourn. The brokenhearted, the prisoners. When they get in, they get strong and they become oaks. Then they began to rebuild the ancient cities. I'm going to tell you something. His power is made perfect in the weakness. The passionate commitment of the Lord is determined today to minister to every weak and despised person, discontented, in debt that's in this room this morning or is coming through those doors in days. If we're praying like Jesus wants us to pray, we'd pray for send them in. We don't need to fuss and gripe when they do things different and get on our last nerve. Because you know what? I've been in the kingdom for a long time and I could get on your last nerve. We got to stop 
casting stones toward those God sends in because sometimes they're more zealous. Those snatched first from the fire. We had someone yesterday to bring in his buddy to help clean the carpets just because he could. The buddy worked with another big company that had carpet cleaner because this guy's trying to get his life straight. Let me say to you, despise not who God sends to you to speak to, to work with, to minister to because they are the up and coming great oaks of the Lord displayed for his glory. They will rage on hell with a squirt gun. They're not afraid. As my Maggie said, uh, my Maggie Woods, who uh, you've heard her story. She's somebody, uh, uh, someone said something awful to me one time at a Walmart, went after me, and she goes, I'm going, I'm a scrapper. Where are they? I'm going to go beat the ever-living pulp out of them. You can be nice and you can say things, but I just came out of hell. I ain't taking none of that blank, blank, blank off them. I love when new converts just let it rip, you know. I'm just going to beat the blah, blah, blah. I said, well, that's great. I, I appreciate your tenacity, but let's turn that into another way. I love new Christians. I love it. So the third thing you've got to do to stay committed to the passionate commitment of the Lord is remember who he, everyone say who he, who he says you are. Perfect. Thanks, Anissa. I love the song that says he whispers in my ear, tells me that I'm done, done. It goes on to say, I am all he says I am. I am bold, I am strong. There was a man in Judges 11 that you know I love. His name was Jepheth. He was the son of a prostitute, but his daddy had a wife, and the wife had many sons. And his half-brothers told him when he got up to a certain age, you're not welcomed here anymore. He was Gilead's son, but his half-brother said, you got no right. Get out of here. You got no inheritance. Jepheth ran. They rejected him horribly. We don't know all the impact upon that, but we know that he landed in the land of Tob. And he lived there. Interesting enough, listen to this. It says that a large band of rebels began to follow him. I love this because Jephthah somehow held on to who God said he was. Even when his half-brother said, you're no good son of a, he held on to who God said. I'm going to tell you, sticks and stones will not only break your bones, but the words that Rhonda Davis believes about herself will break or make her destiny. In every place of your life, you've got to hear what God is saying over you. You've got to hear it from the word, from preaching. You've got to get in there and read it. That's why I'm addicted to hearing what he says about me because I'm a lonely little, little girl with a lot of need for extra help from Holy Spirit. Not lonely. That was the wrong word. I'm not lonely. I've got more people than I want, but amen. But, but sometimes you can feel isolated, whatever. I don't know what that's going to be. But he went, into, he went into the land of Tob, and he lived there. I love this because he had to, Angel, hold on to what God said he was. Though his situation, his circumstances... And his family said something different because all of a sudden they got attacked by the Ammonites, his brother, which was Israel. And they come and find him living in the land of Tob because he's a great warrior. In fact, it says he was a great warrior. God kept reminding Jephthah, you're my great warrior. You may be the son of a prostitute. You may be something that was on the side in the back seat of whatever. But I say you are a mighty man of God. Somehow Jephthah, by the spirit of the Lord, I would say to you, held on to what God said about him. And they came to him and they said, we want you to come lead us. We're, we're up against the Ammonites and everyone knows you're the greatest warrior. Come. And he said, aren't you the ones, I love this, that hated me? Aren't you the ones that drove me out of my own daddy's house and said I was a son of a prostitute? And you're coming to me now. Why are you coming to me now? And they said, because we loved you. We loved you. He said, do you promise that I will be the leader? They said, yes. And he goes and leads God's people to great victory. But what I love about this, this knowing who God says you are will get you through seasons of rejection because everyone's going to endure it. 
Jesus had a year of rejection. They rejected him in several cities, the son of the almighty God. And you think what you're doing or your country or your church or your group, whatever it is, is always going to be accepted by the masses. It will not. It will not. But you see, during seasons of rejection, you might endure at the job with a friend, with whatever. You've got to hold on to who you are because the tide's going to turn. That's coming in our next point. We only have two more. Listen to me. The tide's going to turn. I love this because he stayed connected to who he was because the king of Ammonites begins to make all these false accusations against Israel and why he has a right to war against them. I can't read you the words, but it's found in verses 15 through 27, Judges 11. Don't read it now. But he preaches a sermon back to the king of Ammonites. How do I know he held on who he was? Because he knew all of Israel's history. He whipped it off point by point. He knew everything that God had given his people. That means in the time of rejection, in the time of cave, in the time when he didn't have enough, he held on to who God said he was. And in the moment that God promoted him, he had the right words. Let me tell you something. Right now, you might feel you don't have enough. You might feel that you're no one's favorite. You might feel that no one's ever going to tap you on the shoulder and say, I want you in this place. you got to hold on to who God says he is because there's an epic plot twist coming. And that plot twist turns everything around. And if you forget who you are at the moment of promotion and elevation and opportunity, you will not have what you're supposed to have. In the time that you are tempted to forget, hold on to who God says you are. Somebody give him praise. Josh, if you would come and begin to play the guitar. I've still got some traveling to do here. If you'd come and get ready to um, how he loves us, just the chorus, or just play something right now. The next point is epic plot twist. I'm going to tell you something. A few years ago, there was a family. I'll be careful because there's a couple people to figure this out. Um, the, the siblings, several siblings that came here to church many, many years ago, 20, 22 years ago. And they, they kind of came against me. They didn't like something, yada, yada, yada. And, um, and they ended up leaving the church. It wasn't anything horrible, but I, I was rejected by them, I guess you could say. Hey, I've had many rejections in front of a lot of people <laughs> and in front of small crowds. But anyway, um, they, they did, and uh, they started going to church somewhere else. And that church was just the best church because it always is because you just got there. <laughs> it was just the best church they'd ever been to, and that was fine. I, I continued to love them. Me, she continued. And one night I got a phone call from one of the siblings and says, our, one of our sisters has tried to kill herself. She's in ICU. She's barely breathing. And we want you to go see her. Now, in my mind, Sherry, in my flesh, I want to say, what's your pastor's phone number? I mean, I did. I'll be honest with you. In my mind, in my flesh, I'm just being honest. We're all fleshly. I had loved these people deeply and really intervened in some situations in our family. But I just listened. I could hear the Holy Spirit say, said, well, where is she? Will you just believe you're the only one that can reach her? Please, please. So I went up there, got into ICU, and she was on a breathing machine. I reached out and grabbed her hand, and just to see her in that place was pretty beyond me. She had overdosed her mom. Over a man, of course. And um, not saying it was his fault, but anyway, I just grabbed her hand and began to speak her name. I don't want to speak your name right now. And I said, lie. I began to talk to her. Her eyes began to twitch. Her hand began to move. The nurses got real beyond words on it. 
and a tear began to flow down her face because I began to remind her who he said she was. Because that's what he was like. She began to breathe. Her scissors came in. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to save you the dramatization, but it was pretty awesome right here. And I walked out that room. I never saw them again. But when Courtney was going to get her driver's license, which had been many years ago, she was up doing her testing, and I see a sheriff come in and a female deputy and sit by me, and it was her. And I said, hey, you're a sheriff? She said, yes, ma'am. And she said, thank you for coming and seeing me and praying for me. Thank you for giving me hope and reminding me who God said I was when I heard that. She said, I'll never forget that. But now most of the people I help are addicts. And I know because of the mercy you had on me, God is having mercy on me as well. I'm going to tell you that third point goes into fourth point. Don't ever forget. Don't let rejection take you out. Don't let others saying who you are and who are not determine who you are. Hear what God says about you. Because of number four, an epic plot twist is coming. What did Joseph say? That's why the passion and commitment of the Lord brings a tw plot twist. Genesis 50 and 20, what was intended for evil, Joseph said, God turned for my good. That's why I can depend on the passion and commitment of the Lord. He's always working. He's watching. He's writing a masterpiece. He's weaving all the jumbling, seemingly random events together into purposeful, beautiful whole of my life. And just when we think evil really has won, God orchestrates the ultimate plot twist. Joseph got out of prison and all these others. We say, why, where are you? And God says, you know what? Say to Israel in Exodus 6 and 4, I am the Lord and I will free you from your slavery. I will redeem you with mighty power and acts of judgment. I will make you my own special people and I will be your God. He's telling Moses to say this to them. And Moses told the people, but this is so sad, listen. But the people had become too discouraged by the increasing burden of their slavery. And they wouldn't believe to you and I that sometimes we can get so overwhelmed with the burden of life or the burden of what we're going through or what may be enslaving us that we can't even hear the promise of the Lord but the Lord says to us out of the book of Zechariah this may seem impossible to you you feel discouraged and you feel you are very small but take heart finish the task that I the Lord have asked you to do for it is not impossible with me says the Lord somebody say amen Someone say amen and give the Lord a praise. An epic plot twist. Isaiah 43 and 19, I felt impressed to share with you out of the New Living Translation. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called the army of Egypt after you, and I drew them beneath the waters and drowned them, says the Lord. But you just forget all that. What? Yeah, you just forget all that. What? Yeah, you just forget all that. Why? Because it is nothing compared to what I am going to do, says the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Think of the greatest things he's done in your life. And if you think for a moment or he's done for your church or he's done for your ministry, he's done at your job or he's done through you at the job in your family. He says, nothing compared to what I'm going to do for I'm going to do a brand new thing, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Woo! Restraineth myself before I flip my wig. 
up here. He is going to do a brand new thing. Sisters, that's written on the front of my journal. That's what I claim for this year. I think somebody else did too. I think they told me Maria did a brand new thing. You see, first degree faith is the faith of protect us. Martha said, if you'd been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. That's a great dimension of faith to pray, protection, all that. But second degree faith is resurrection faith. It's faith that refuses to put periods at the end of disappointments. It's faith that says, I don't understand what just happened, but I know that God can and he will. And my greatest challenge is going to be to every day to look beyond and behind events to look to the one who is controlling all things. He gave an unexpected plot twist to Adam and Eve when they sinned. And he clothed them with a garment of a son and he's of a lamb. And he said, my son will crush the head of your enemy. He gave a plot twist to Abraham and Sarah and gave them a miracle baby at the age of 100. He gave a plot twist to Joseph and he was falsely accused and put in a prison, rose to the right hand of the greatest Pharaoh. He gave a plot twist to Esther when uh, Haman had already built the gallows and he brought his people freedom. He gave a plot twist to David and Goliath fell down. He gave a plot twist to Gideon and Gideon ran in with torches, the little fearful guy, and brought victory to the king. He gave a plot twist to Israel and brought them out of Egypt with signs and wonders. When they came up against the Red Sea, he plot twisted it and opened the waters. When they came up against Jericho, let me tell you something, the world seems out of control, but I know who holds the world and he has an epic plot twist. Somebody give him praise before we get to the last point. Come on! Last point and we're done. thing in times of ellipsis. I'm not even sure that's the way you say it, so if nobody knows how to say it. Is that hey, Satanissa? Ellipsis. Ellipsis is a grammar word. Ellipsis is a triple dot punctuation. I do this a lot when I'm texting Susan and she does me. We do it three dots, which means pause because I'm fixing to tell you something. Prepare yourself. Take medication. No, I'm just kidding. Pause. That's what Chris Vernon says. If, if, if we ever group message him in a big email where we're discussing dinner theaters, he goes, I can't deal with this anymore. I've never taken Valium, but y'all about to like force me to. Just stop emailing me. But a pause means I've got an unfinished thought. Everyone say unfinished thought. Unfinished thought, pause in speech. Let me tell you something about God's grammar. You'll all have time of ellipsis. That means a waiting time when things have not come forth that you thought they should have. But I'm going to tell you, God's grammar was a sermon that was preached years ago by a great man of God. Never put a comma where God puts a period. But never put a period where God only puts a comma. Don't say that thought. Sometimes what is perceived like a comma period is really, or a, a period of nothing is really just a comma. We think God's silence or the lack of his visibility in that waiting time, the ellipsis when we're just waiting. It's like God has said this and he's done this, but dot, dot, dot. Everyone say dot, dot, dot. When is the next thing coming? we got to realize that's a providential. Someone say, that's a providential. Everyone say, that's a providential. Pause. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's just a pause. He says in Isaiah 40 and 26 in the New Living Translation, look into the heavens. Who created all the stars? Who else brings them out one after another, calling each by name so not one of them is lost? Oh, how can you say, says the Lord, that I do not see your trouble? 
How can you say that I refuse to hear your case? Have you never heard or understand? Don't you know? I, the Lord, am an everlasting God, the creator of the entire earth. I never grow faint. Now you're recognizing. I never get worried. You never have to measure the depth of my understanding. I give power to those who are tired and worn out. I offer strength to the weak. Look what he's advertising right here. He's advertising it. If you're weak, I'll give you strength. If you're young and you're exhausted, I'll lift you up. Those who wait on me will find new strength. They'll fly high on wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. Someone say amen. How can we say? Ellipsis is that waiting period. And Isaiah just said, that's when you got to cling on. Come on, I'm done. Just hang with me for a couple more minutes. Jesus experienced the ultimate ellipsis. Three days he went to the center of hell after the crucifixion. After he said, into your hands I commit my spirit. Is finished. You see, that's what we have to do in times of ellipsis into your hands. While I'm in this waiting period of you've said this, but dot, 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 I'm going to believe in the passionate commitment of the Lord toward me in this time of pausing, in this time of not seeing anything. I'm going to keep working, keep doing everything I know to do. Pray, pray like it depends on God, but work like it depends on you. And Lord, I know you're going to remove this stigma. Jesus, three days, he was in hell. And others said he could save others, but he could not save himself. But I'm going to tell you something. Jesus was not born to a virgin. He was not baptized in the Jordan. He was not crucified on the cross so that you and I would simply survive life. No, he resurrected on the third day and ascended to the right hand of God. And Ephesians 1 and 19 and Romans 8 11 says the same power. Everyone say the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. Say it again. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. That same power lives in Rhonda Davis. Spends in you when you think you can't, he can. Let me tell you something. In closing moments, he is more than a winemaker. He's more than a water walker. He's a grave robber. He said, I am the resurrection and life. That's what sets him apart. That puts him in a category all by himself. Christianity, our hope, is based upon one fundamental fact. There is an empty tomb. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Give him praise before we finish. Let me tell you something. An old saying says you can never bet too much on a winning horse. That winning horse is the white horse that Revelations 19:11 says, I saw heaven open. And he, the king, Jesus, was sitting on a white horse. And he was called the faithful and true. Let me tell you, Jesus rose from the dead, radically redefined our reality. When he walked out of the tomb, the word impossible was removed from our vocabulary. It was a history changer, a game changer. One day when those residents resurrected bodies come out of the ground when the rapture comes. Oh, that's going to be must-see TV for all those that don't go on the rapture. But I'm going to tell you something. The true resurrection is He resurrects dead relationships. No matter what part of your personality you thought died at the hands of sin, at the hand of suffering, at the hand of Satan, no matter what part of you. I've heard people say, Pastor, and I thought this too, I'll never have real joy again, not after what I went through. I'll never dance like a child again like what I went through. I'll never have hope again after what I went through. But the grave robber comes to resurrect the childlike 
faith in you that says, I will hope again. The grave robber comes to resurrect that part of your personality. The disciples lost their smile. They lost their joy. They lost everything. They locked themselves up in that room for fear. But when Jesus walked out of that tomb and into that room, they couldn't stop smiling. They couldn't stop praising. They couldn't stop shouting his glory. Let me tell you, resurrection power takes back what the enemy has stolen. Stand up and give him praise. He's given you a second chance. Believe in the impossible. Believe that God can give you your life back. Come on, praise him for one minute. where you are the passionate commitment says the spirit of the Lord is towards you the passionate commitment of the Lord that you are loved that there's an epic plot twist coming that even when you run from him he chases you down with his relentless love but you've got to return to him you've got to remember who he says you are the passionate commitment of the Lord is toward your future Christy toward yours Alex and we follow him steadfastly. Would you lift your hands to him right where you stand, eyes closed, just everyone in the room. Through story. For I, the Spirit of the Lord, am committed unto you. My passionate heartbeat is to restore all to you that the enemy stole from you. My commitment to you is that you would believe in me, that I can sweep your sins away like the morning mist. That you would return to me with faith, with hope. That your eyes would be upon me, says the Lord, and only upon me. That you would believe that I am committed to turning things around in your life. I, the Lord, am doing a brand new thing. Can you not perceive it? I, the Lord, will make my victories in your life and yesterday look as nothing says the Lord for I am in your midst says the spirit of the Lord and I am for you lift up your eyes to me lift up your hope to me and trust in me for I the Lord will bring vengeance upon your enemies and they will drink double of my wrath says the Lord for you belong to me says the spirit of the almighty Someone just lift your hands right now to him. Someone just receive his word right now. Someone just receive his word right now. Every person in this house, we return to you, Lord. We return to you, Lord. We return to you, Lord. We return with our faith, our hope, that your passionate commitment toward us will make all things happen according to your plan. That when you're silent and we can't see, 
when everything stacks up like dominoes around us and we think there's no way, we forget your commitment toward us. Lord God, that you have no breaks when it comes to us. So we thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God. Hands lifted to you. Hands lifted to you. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. I'm going to have you pray for each other with his eyes are closed, just standing in his presence. Miss Barbara, I have a word for you. Misha, would you just put your hand on Barbara's shoulder? Right, you're standing, his eyes closed. I'm not asking for hands. I just pray the meditation of your heart. The Lord hears you right now before we pray with each other. Just in your heart and your mind, and you can say it in a kneel place or in your car or way home in your mind. Just see these words and say them in your mind. I return to you, Lord. In fact, let's just all say them. I, repeat after me, I return to you, Lord. I want your way, your will. See, you did it right now. His passion and commitment is towards you. And he receives you. You belong to him. And everyone that's standing out there, I want you to go and put, take someone's hand, face them. I'll go towards someone. I want you to pray for each other's needs or whatever we need, the passion commitment of the Lord to do. Would you do that right now? I'm going to pray over you. Just find somebody. It can be groups of three, four. You can just put your hand on someone's shoulder, whatever it is, right now, wherever you are. Would you do that? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every hand or every shoulder that I'm touching. Lord, I just pray that you in your passionate commitment would help these individuals. Father, whether they've gone through seasons of rejection, whether they've gone through seasons where they've just been discouraged, the battle's been so heavy or the burden's been heavy, they can't even hear your promise like Israel. God, get their attention like you did Israel. You did get their attention, Father. Get their attention here in this room. Lord, for those that need to be reminded of who they are in you like Jephthah, Maybe they've battled rejection or what people have said or what they've said to themselves, God. Sometimes Rhonda Davis doesn't need an enemy. I'm so tormentable. I torment my own self, Father. Help each one of us to speak the good things over ourselves that you say. To speak the things of promise and of hope and a future. Lord, if we're in right now in the middle of a pause, an ellipsis, let us remember the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It lives in us. When we need strength and we need courage, we need wisdom, whatever we need, you are in us, Holy Spirit. Help us to tap into you for whatever we need, Lord God. I thank you that your passionate commitment for jobs that are needed, for open doors that are needed, for finances, Lord, crush poverty's foot, Lord, off of the necks of your children. Lord, whatever is needed, restoration and relationships. God, whatever is needed, we thank you. Your passionate commitment that you speak over us, Lord. You don't speak in an obscure place, but you say it openly, and you are the one who keeps his promises forever. Maybe daddy didn't keep his promise. Maybe mama, maybe Aunt Betty, maybe our brother, maybe our ex-wife, our ex-husband. But, Lord, you are the one who keeps your commitment. So we lift our eyes to you in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Can you give him one more praise before you're seated just real quickly?